2: are listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now
1: here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Tuesday. Great to be with you on the Pastor Scott Show. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5. Always good to be with you. We talk about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. You know, as a As a dad, my kids are 14 and 11. I think about parenting all the time, and there's so much we can talk about it, you know, in relationship to that. There's a video going around, and there's a lot like this, and statements being made that are very similar. I want you to listen to uh, this person who is a school activist who is against parents' rights in schools, and this is what he has to say.
0: No such thing as parental rights. It's not recognized in law. It's not in the charter. doesn't exist. Children's rights, however, are recognized and have been for a very long time. Parents have responsibility, which is recognized in the law, but no rights. If your child does not want to tell you something about them, that's your problem. Not the government's, not the school system's. Maybe you should ask yourself why your child might not want to tell you whatever it is your conspiracy brain thinks that they should have
1: to. Now, you can tell it's very uh, condescending and snarky and rude, but I want you to hear a couple of things there. He talks about how parents have no rights, but they do have responsibilities. That, by the way, whenever you hear that in any context – you have no rights, but you have responsibilities. Be very careful to parse that out a little bit. You know, you have responsibilities to your kids, but no rights to them, you know, in in a sense of, of knowing what's going on. People will use those words in such a way that it takes away uh everything that is necessary for you to be a parent and yet puts a burden on you to be a parent, but not actually be a parent. And what he's trying to do is say that, your kids, and this is the movement that is out there, and, and there's a lot of reasons. I'm going to give you some. This is he's coming from the issues of that we're dealing with the school districts right now with uh, teachers being told they can't. Uh, they have to hide the fact that your child comes out as trans, okay, or other things, abortions and medical care. There's, it's a major issue. And uh, I mean, I can't even get over just the fact that when my James turned 12 and the pediatrician takes us aside and says, by the way, now that he's 12, according to California law, I don't have to share with you everything in his medical record, uh, which was shocking to me. I didn't even know that was a, a thing, but it is, you know. And as a parent, I feel like I have a right to his medical record because I'm a parent. And, you know, there's a lot of things today that are, that I think require us to be involved. And I'm telling you this as a dad, also as a pastor, that parents do not let somebody tell you that you don't have the right to know what's going on with your child. You do. I understand that there's abusive parents, and there are parents who have done some terrible and wicked things. And there are reasons that I think are good that the state might get involved, right? There are ways that you lose your rights as parents because of abuse and related things. I get that. But there is also an agenda here that is much, much worse. That is, I think, very, very dark. And, and I can't say this enough. You have a right to parent your child. And this person, he talks about how there's not a law. There's not actually a law, but you do have, uh, rights uh, with your kid. Basically, the con- the courts have come down in this way, that you have the right to raise your kid. You have the right to have uh, responsibilities with your kid. You have the right to govern their medical, uh, all those things, according to the courts. Uh, but there is not a clarification in the law about parental rights. And that is okay. something I think that we have to, to get to. It It does get sticky because of abuse issues and things. But you do have rights within the law. The parental rights uh that we have, according to the Supreme Court, make it very, very clear. This is the quote from a, a case called Troxel versus Granville. It says, concerning the care, custody, and control of the children, parents have established rights. Care, custody, and control of your children. So flushing that out is something that I think we need to do better on for those of us who are parents. But do you feel as a parent sometimes that you – you hesitate to ask if you're worried about something. Are there things that you feel like you're crossing the line of privacy, maybe with your kids, checking their Internet history, for example, or putting uh, blockers on your Internet and what they can view and not view? Do you feel like that's a violation of their rights rights? Uh, do you feel like you can't ask them about their friends or talk to their parents? I'm wondering how you might feel as parents or grandparents if you're the guardians. The number is 888-528-2557 if you'd like to join the conversation or like to add to it, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I think there are concerns that are being pounded into us as parents that my parents never had. My parents followed us around, my sister and I, secretly. Sometimes we knew, sometimes we didn't. I even went with my dad. I don't know if my sister's listening today, but one time I went with my dad and followed my sister to the movie theater when she was in high school and uh, to make sure she was with the right people. There was a reason to do that. And uh, that particular day, uh, it was good. She was. And Sherry, if you're listening, well, you know, you just learned something if you didn't know that. But I think you already imagined that. You know and you feel like is that something wrong but there was a reason there i don't know why i was in the car (laughs) you know but uh the older brother uh but you know i check into my kids let me give you another example so there's the trans stuff and the stuff going on at schools and one of the things you got to know parents you do have a right to that information your kid you know if they're doing drugs if they're having abortions if they're having medical care if they are having behavioral problems. You have a right to know that. You have a right to know that from your school, and that is a, a fight that all of us need to get involved with, uh, or you're going to lose your kids. Uh, let me give you a completely different example, though, something where I think you've got to do some research and follow up. For several months, my kids have talked to me about this one chip challenge. Uh, do you know what this is, this one chip challenge? So there is this potato chip company, and they've put out this chip that's got very, very spicy uh Peppers, you know, uh, stuff on it. You know about this, Wilbert? What's the you know, the one chip challenge? And the idea is you you I've buy one chip. You've done it. So you've done the one chip challenge.
3: No, I've done a piece of it. You've <laughs> done a
1: piece of it. So explain it. It's one chip, right?
3: So it's one chip. It's uh, I, there's like also a viral show called Hot Ones where it's like just a ghost pepper flavored chip. Yeah. Uh, but it's really spicy. It's just one chip. It's, I guess, made as a joke or it was like a it started off as like a party thing that went viral. That people tried doing, and uh yeah, let's just say not everyone is meant for it,
1: right, it's super spicy, but you think of it, and this is something that is not underground, right, but it's like you said, it's a viral thing, so no, it's, for
3: a while i uh you can it, walk into like a seventy eleven and see it on the shelves
1: right, and it's one one like tortilla chip, it costs ten bucks, yes, uh for one chip, all right, and then there's a challenge, and you laugh and everything uh a child died from this uh this past week did you know this or they think so there'll be an autopsy
3: uh yeah i heard about this
1: um here here's part of the story and the reason i'm telling you this is because as parents you know even for myself i'm hearing my kids talk about this viral thing and the one chip challenge and they laugh about it and you watch the videos of people sweating and fanning themselves and they just took a bite of a chip i don't know if you've ever had you know super hot you know spicy something i had some kind of uh habanero ice cream one time and I mean one bite of it and you would sweat. Uh tasted really good. I love the flavor of it, but uh you can't really eat it. Um but this becomes a serious thing for parents and I thought and I've even thought as a parent, I should have asked more about this now that I've gotten into it. Because I I thought it was a dumb thing online. Okay. Ha 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 I probably would do that as a kid. Now I see that it's even kind of dangerous. Here's a story.
4: A teenager, 14-year-old Harris Woloba from Worcester, Massachusetts, has died from complications after trying the one-chip challenge. The teen ingested the spicy tortilla chip made with the hottest chilies in the world, according to Guinness. An autopsy is underway and could take weeks for results, the medical examiner's office said while the investigation into the cause of the teenager's death in Worcester continues, the Worcester County District Attorney's Office would like to remind parents to research and discuss with your children about the one-chip challenge, the district attorney said in a post online. There have been warnings from school districts across the country. Did you
1: know that? See, I didn't know that there are warnings from school districts. I didn't know that the manufacturer is warning parents. And, And I think this is important, right, parents? including myself, we are the ones being warned. You know, there it's not going to work to tell any kid probably, hey, go home and, and talk to your parents about this. Have a conversation because the kids just think it's fun. I don't think – I'm trying to think if I were I – mean, i I'm sure I did stupid things as a kid, you know, back then. We had lawn darts, though. We lived in a whole different thing. You know, you go to the park and you throw, uh, you know, projectiles in the air that would kill you if they landed on you. And nobody cared about that for a while. But eventually uh, they did. Uh now you have to be concerned. Now this child may not have died because of the chip, but they think so, right? The autopsy will show. Sometimes or it could be related, you know, he might have had cardiac arrest or something an allergy or something that was triggered uh because of, you know, there's something that caused this uh with this child. But I I want you to hear this how they talk about parents. Oh shoot, I
4: clicked on a the teenager. Thing. 14-year-old. The what chilies the medical examiner's office said. While the investigation into the cause of the teenager's death in Worcester continues, the Worcester County District Attorney's office would like to remind parents to research and discuss with your children about the one chip challenge.
1: Now, I, there's an assumption here. Like what you you have to listen carefully here. The district attorney wants to remind parents Why did they assume parents like to remind parents to see? I think that that is because we know that parents have rights. You know, getting into this issue, when somebody says, like the guy we played a minute ago, that parents don't have rights. They have responsibilities. Actually, I think we believe that parents have rights. Okay, responsibilities are things that are laid upon you because of a law or because of a circumstance that you might be in. Right. If you accept You know, being a parent, you accept a job somewhere, you say you'll do something, you have some responsibilities, uh, but you don't have a right to your job, right? Your employer can let you go, right? Rights are things that are conferred upon you by the fact that you are you, right? Your right as a parent to investigate and discover what's happening with your kids. You have that because of God, because you are the parent. It's not conveyed on you by the state. It's not conveyed upon you by even the church. It is something that is given to you by God. That's the difference between the rights and responsibilities. Rights are something that you have as a human being. And there are some that we might debate, okay, whether it's a right or responsibility or whether it is, you know, some kind of privilege or something. But I think we need to agree as a, as a culture that parents have rights. We can lose those rights the same way you can lose the rights that God has bestowed upon you for freedom because you commit crimes, because you take away the rights of others as reasons, right? Same thing with the rights of parents if you're abusive and things like that. We know that. And, and I think what happens in these debates is that we always bring up that abusive parent. We bring up that person who does terrible things to take away the rights of everybody, And we have to stop listening to that and stop kowtowing to that. There is an assumption that we know to be true, and we should not deny this, that parents have the rights to raise their children.
4: Research and discuss with your children about the one-chip challenge, the district attorney said in a post online. There have been warnings from school districts across the country.
1: Who are they warning? They're warning parents. Right. That's the assumption, because you have a right to know about this
4: by the company that manufactures the chip, as well as doctors and lawmakers. Last year, one school in Colorado banned it completely. Keep out of reach of children, it says on the chipmaker Pocky's website. The one chip challenge is to eat the entire chip and wait as long as possible before drinking or eating anything. Paki asks to post reactions on social media using the hashtag OneChipChallenge.
1: And that's what's happening in the viral videos. People eat the chip and then they post the video. But kids are doing this; it. It's a kid thing to do. You know, I'm not going to do that. It might be kind of fun. Did you post a video? You ate, you had a bite of one of these, Wilbur. Did you actually post a video of yourself somewhere? No,
3: it uh, started off, my friend bought it and he was like, do you want to do one with me? He bought two. Yeah. And I was like, I'll take a bite of one. <laughs> and I regretted it instantly.
1: He bought two. He got 20 bucks.
3: Yeah, he bought them just as a, you know, party. Like, we were hanging out, we were, like, mm-hmm. playing video games, and he was like, oh, like, it was, like, ten of us.
1: No no video of you, huh?
3: No video of me. All right, well, I,
1: I won't go Google that, because we would definitely be putting that out there on our social media. Oh, yes, Here's a Wilbert almost dying because of the thing. Um,
3: but, I mean, it's all over the place. If you check TikTok, if you, and that's why so many kids are into it, you see... You, all these social media sites promoting it, and some people do it for good. You've seen people, oh, if I raise this much for charity, I'll take a yeah the one chip challenge.
1: It says right on the package that it's for adults. Yeah, exactly. Right, and I think, and I guess what I'm amazed at with this, and and if, is people are are listening. I feel like I have – now, I have – since since this child died and it's in the news, I have talked to my kids. You are not to participate in that. You're not to take a bite of it. You are not to be in any of it. I think that is a serious thing. But I, I'm feeling it as a parent that I didn't know about this for months, that this was dangerous, and my kids are talking about it all the time. Have you done this, uh, Jose? Have you done the one-chip challenge?
3: No, but uh, back in like middle school, there were different challenges. I remember I did uh, one where you get a spoonful of cinnamon and you just eat it, uh-huh. and then you just start coughing. And then there was one where you put salt on like your skin, and then you put an ice cube on it, and it was just like supposed to burn your skin. That was the kind of stuff we did back in the day.
1: Yeah, I remember that kind of stuff. But you're probably you're not gonna die from that right and i I don't think that one chip people probably expected that, right, but we should know, and that is something I think that as as parents, maybe we need to think back, maybe I'm going to do this and ask my kids what kinds of things that you do because we did things did you guys ever dead arm? Do you know what dead arming is? you know what that is so dead arming is you you stand there, you have your friends stand there, you stand there, and you let your friends hit you as hard as they can, right in the shoulder right in the upper arm, right by the shoulder, and just wail on you. And, and you're, so your friends will get in line. Maybe this is a guy thing. You know, the, the ladies do this. I don't know. Well, we're thinking about the Roman empire and now we're getting punched. And what happens is, is your arm gets so sore, you can't lift it. And then you laugh. <laughs> Look at Bobby, he can't raise his arm. You know, and uh, you did this. I was on a board for a, uh, a Christian camp once and we had to fire a camp counselor because the counselor was doing this to the kids. Right. You, you can't do that as the adult. Uh, you can't. But the the thing is is that these things are kind of fun, right? In in a in a way. And I remember that, that meeting where we had to fire this guy, I was kinda of laughing at it. I had to explain it to everybody else in there. I said, oh, I'll tell you people are like, What's well, dead arming? What is that? And I'm giggling, knowing I gotta fire this guy, but I laughed. I said, Yeah, this is what it is. It's something that people do, but you can't do that as a counselor. There's you just you can't do that. Um and parents, you know, there's there's something to this that is obviously frightening where you have a child die of this thing, you have a right and a responsibility to find out what's happening with your kids. You really do. You have to parent. You have to be involved. You have to side, you know, with your teachers academically when your kid isn't doing well. Don't go after the teacher. Your kid needs to do well. It's part of parenting. You know, I mean, if everybody in the class is failing, maybe the teacher's lousy. But if, you know, your kid didn't do the work, don't side with your kid you side with you side with the the teacher but sometimes you have reasons not to because of what's going on with the school districts what if they were hiding the one ship thing what if they didn't care i mean that's all in the same thing what other kinds of things are going on you have both a right and a responsibility the book of proverbs tells us a lot of things this is pastor scott show by the way the number is 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 book of proverbs tells us uh, about wisdom so often, and a lot about parenting proverbs fifteen twenty a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother, and you know it you can get into sort of breaking all of these down, but when our kids do make wise decisions and they talk with us about things and we 're able to talk with them we 're doing pretty well. Um, we have to be careful how we parent. Colossians 3.21, fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. You know, as a parent, we can overdo it with our kids, right? Where we provoke them to anger because we're always asking them about stuff and nothing's going on, right? We're suspicious about them all the time and we're worried about it all the time and they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, then we've gone too far the other way. There is wisdom that has to come here, but a lot of it comes to making sure that our kids understand what the Scriptures actually have to say, which has always been a biblical command and responsibility and a right for parents to do. Deuteronomy 11, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, teach them to your children, speaking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. This, you know, this command to teach your kids the Lord's word and have them around are because the world that we're living in is dangerous. There are things that we choose to do that are dangerous, and there are people who want to do stuff to us or to our kids that is very dangerous, The world has always been dangerous with all of our technology and all of our, you know, whatever we want to say, our enlightenment or our, you know, our progression of knowledge and understanding in the world today. It's not any less dangerous. I would even argue that in some ways it's more dangerous now than maybe when I grew up in a way. You know, I just for many of you when you grew up and that'd be an interesting thing to to consider. Do is that just an am I imagining that? I don't think so. I think that it was less dangerous for me as a kid than it is for my kids if they go out. Uh, Some of that's imagined, right? I don't know that there is a uh, white van driving around. My kids call it the creepy white van, you know, and somebody offering candy and you get in. That happens, but I don't think that happens that often. But it happens figuratively online all the time, all the time. Your kids are in so much jeopardy online, and we live in an online world. You probably have your kids, once they're at least 14, maybe younger, who are actually required to have a phone or some kind of digital device at school or an internet device, an iPad or you know something that would get them online to use Google Classroom or to use one of the other software programs that are out there for your kids. And that's great. That's a great technology, but there is so much danger in that. Can I just remind you that there is a responsibility and a right to parent and that you can do it you can go visit your child's internet history. You need to find out what they're looking at. You need to find out who's talking to them. There's free software and software that you pay for. There's a lot of stuff out there. But if you're hesitating to do that, you do that. Just be open with your kids. Same thing, your employer probably does that. Your employer, somewhere in that employee manual that you signed wherever you work that you didn't read, but you signed the back page because they want you to, somewhere in that manual, it says, as your employer, we can read your emails. As your employer, everything on your computer, your work-based computer, or everything you do in our in business time belongs to us, and we can read it, and you will discipline for it if it's bad. It says that. That's you as an employee. Your, your employer has a responsibility to do that, uh, I think, but you have that responsibility as a parent to do that, and I think you have a right to do that. That supersedes a a child's right to privacy. The kids don't think that the the chip challenge is going to hurt them. The kids and the parents are told that the uh, transitional medication for um, uh, changing your gender is reversible, which is a lie. They are able to hide that from their parents or get an abortion and hide that from their parents or other medical things. That's all crazy. It's crazy that we live in a world where uh, that kind of stuff is allowed, but we still understand that other things kids do, parents should know. Now, you have a responsibility but also a right to raise your kid, and you have permission from God to do it. And we need to make sure that as a culture we have permission and rights uh, that the state also recognizes with those things. i got to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888 888-528- 528 two five five seven and you can follow us at Pastor Scott Show on your social media. You can take a moment and follow us now. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, uh Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch us right now at KKLA.com and you can get the podcast of our show anytime. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show. Click subscribe on your podcast. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show.
4: Prices are surging in what's being called an unusual end of summer spike. The average price for a gallon of regular unleaded is nearing $6 a gallon in the L.A. area. And that's putting a strain on motorists yet again.
1: The average price of gas now, that was last night on the news. Now it's over $6 here in Southern California. What did you pay for gas lately? What was the last time have you noticed this? It's gone up 50 cents in a week. That's going up super fast. Usually after Labor Day, the gas prices go down, like the summer thing is over, the vacations are over, people get back in their routines. Uh this is a big deal. Let me and when we talk about the gas prices and what's happening, here's here's a a thought that you need to have, I think, in the back of your mind, that to go deeper into this, welcome back, everybody, Pastor Scott Show, number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. The thought to keep in mind is when gas prices go up this high, um, they're already high. They're already, right now, almost twice as much as they were just a couple of years ago. It affects everybody, right? But it affects people who are already struggling the most, I don't particularly like uh, energy taxes very much because energy taxes tax everybody. To me, it's a tax on the poor, right? That if you're going to find a reason to, uh, you you know, people like say, I'll tax the rich and it's popular, but tax the poor is what we actually do. And we do it not by something that you turn in on your 1040. We do it with sales tax and we do it with gas taxes. We do it with the tax that's on your energy bill, your gas bill, your electric bill. Uh, We do it on – it's on your cable bill. It's on your cell phone bill, your telephone bill. All of those little taxes that are on there, those affect every single person. There are some people – you know, there are some programs where you can get out of some of that, but a lot of it you can't. You can't get out of the gas tax. That's what you got to pay. And I think – You know, one of the things to think about when we think about how these things hurt us you know, and hurt ourselves is that there are people out there who are seriously hurting. Are you changing? Have you already made changes in your life because of the gas price going up? Have you already – is it affecting your ability to do your job? Is it affecting your ability to buy groceries? You know, at $6 a gallon, we are paying a lot, a lot of money. And uh, you know they're going to argue about what the reasons are. Here's some of what uh, uh, was reported. This is KTLA in LA.
4: The climbing prices are causing some serious pain at the pump, and consumer watchdog groups claim greed is to blame.
1: No, nope. okay, greed. Okay, I guess. But there's a reason. There's a there's a market reason, uh, and there might be greed. That's fine. There's there's I'm not saying I'm fine with greed. We know that there's greed. We know that oil companies make huge profits. Although a lot of it's not gas, by the way. They make what a, a nickel or ten cents. I think a gallon is profit to the oil company, actually. And uh, oil companies make their profit in a whole lot of other things.
0: Matter of the cause, millions of people have no choice. They've got to pay the price. Gas averaging now more than 60 cents higher than it was last month, 20 cents from just last week, representing an exponential spike in prices. KTLA's Chris Wolfe live in West Hollywood with more on what is driving up prices. Chris absolutely micah mb here we go again with the soaring gas prices as you just said the average price for a gallon of regular in the los angeles area is nearing six dollars but it's well above that in places like west hollywood where we are tonight take a look at that sign behind me 669 for regular 689 for mid-grade and 7 for Supreme.
1: He's at a gas station at West Hollywood, and I can hear the freeway next to him. You know, a little motorist tip is try not to buy your gas at the gas station right next to the freeway. Usually a little bit higher. In fact, there are a lot. But $7 for uh, for premium, seven. it's already up there. And, you know, I don't know if I'll make the prediction. Last year, when the gas prices last summer went really high, I predicted they 'd get up to eight between eight and nine dollars, and I was just short of being right about that. They seemed to uh, tail off somewhere in the sevens and uh, one time I paid seven twenty nine or something for gas because I pulled into the wrong gas station. There was one across the street it was only six ninety nine and uh, i just didn 't pay attention to the sign. It was one of those intersections where there 's a gas station on every corner, uh, which i 'm sure is great for the environment and um, I just didn't pay attention. I figured they'd be all the same price, uh, but they were not two five five seven. 528 What have you paid for gas? Have you noticed this? Are you making a change in your life uh, as you think about it? Is it something that is altering um, your plans? Is it something that is making it hard? I think this is something that we need to know uh, about our our fellow human being because I think for most of us, We probably see this and we cut back somewhere. We don't go out to eat. You know, we don't go to the Starbucks and we cut back in certain areas. But I think it's important for us to know that some people, this is the difference between having a job or not having a job, the gas price. This is the difference between being able to have a car and taking the bus, which is a difference of hours a day. So that's less time with the family. That's less time to do other stuff. It, the prices of these things, as they go up, they become a real serious burden in the life of people. 888-528-2557. John in West Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. Yeah, um, I just had a comment on that. Over here in West Covina,
2: um, I know i see seen the gas stations at the Chevron, like at six fifty nine a gallon. And that was for the, I think that was for the 87 even. That was the bottom. Yeah, here. right,
1: 6 <laughs> I, So it's going up I, crazy.
2: It's going up. And then aside from that, I don't think a lot of people realize that the gas prices affect uh, the economy hugely because, uh, uh, you know, things have to get shipped. And all our truck drivers that have to rely on, um, you know, filling up the tanks for those diesels, um,
1: you know, shipments, they're going to go up in price as well every single thing will go up in price. So that inflation number, it's funny because the inflation got up to 9% last summer. And a big part of it was the gas prices pushing everything else up. And then we have been celebrating 4% and 3% inflation, which is still uh, twice as high or 30% higher than we want it. And inflation was almost 4% again this month, it's going to go up because of the gas prices. Uh, on every single wow. thing. And that affects everybody. And that's the, that's part of the mindset. Thank you for calling, John. I appreciate that. That's part of the mindset that we, I think, need to understand that maybe we don't realize that. But it's not just the gas prices. It's your food price. It is the price of eggs. It's the price of everything that's trucked. a. I live near an, one of those Amazon distribution places, right, where that's where all of your stuff is. The reason that they can get you your stuff in 10 minutes is because it's sitting in a warehouse not too far from your house. And there's a gas station that I pass on the way to work almost every day. And if I'm there at the right time, it's full of these Amazon trucks. All the drivers are filling up at the same time. Maybe they have to share a gas card. I always think that's weird. Like, do you share the same card? Why are they all there at the same time? Anyway, that price at that gas station has gone up a dollar. In just the past uh, week or two, a whole dollar a gallon, it's almost seven dollars and I thought, are they gouging is that gas company uh, that gas station gouging the Amazon people? Maybe they have a discount or something, but that gas station is particularly expensive but here's the thing is that amazon doesn't pay for that. You pay for that because the price of whatever it is you're buying on Amazon just went up uh, because of the gas prices eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight 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 five two eight two five five seven stephen l a what would you pay for gas
5: uh, close to, uh, six dollars a gallon or almost seven. Actually, I buy diesel and it's almost seven. It, and, uh, it, it's really gotten bad. And, um, you know, ever since we got new leadership in the White House, it seemed like, uh, it, it shot up sky high. And, uh, as far as California, we have the highest gas tax and most states repealed part of the, the tax to reduce the price, but California didn't, and I I just don't know why.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that we have to do is, maybe that's something to do to write the governor and say, we got to do this. We have to repeal that gas tax, but it's going to be hard for them because California's running a deficit now.
5: Yeah, but um, another thing, uh, about a year ago, Adam Schiff was on TV saying about how he's going to investigate the oil companies and you know this that and the other thing and i i haven't heard a word since so i think he's all
1: he's just blowing smoke i think that there's a lot of blame and credit so when the gas prices go up we blame the oil companies and we and then we say as the governor the president or the congress or whoever they don't have any we can't do anything about gas prices although when the gas prices go down i notice that they all take credit for that it's a yeah, you know, yeah, political exactly thing to do. Good. When things are good, I did that. But uh, when things are bad, oh, I have no control over that, or it's somebody else's. Well, greed. another
5: thing, pe- people in California voted to increase the gas tax, so I don't have a lot of sympathy right? for the ones that voted to increase it. And now they're crying about it. You know, yeah. be careful what you vote for.
1: Yep, that's true. You
5: know, re- read into it. You know, yeah. it, it was it was worded real tricky. No meant yes. Yeah. But- <laughs> You, you know they still voted they didn't read but it and they voted for it and now they're they're whining about it so yeah steve you thank know. you
1: for your call it's an interesting thing that californians we actually have recently started voting for our own tax increases but it's another thing that i think we have to pay attention to is that for maybe for you and maybe for most people we can afford it we we just Figure it out. For some people, we don't, if you're wealthy enough, you don't notice it. For other people, you notice it, but it just, you cut out a coffee or cut out something small. But when we vote on those kinds of things, particularly gas prices, there, it doesn't change based on income. And most people are hurt really badly by it. This matters. We have to get a mindset about this that the ability to go to work, the ability to get in the car and drive to your place of employment, and get there where it doesn't cost you everything you make. It, that matters, and that matters for a lot of people. Uh, how much did you pay for gas, and how is it affecting you? You can share that with us. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back with your calls as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned
2: you're listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m now back to the show
5: answer the riddle that the white house is finding so befuddling which is with those good numbers why are polling amongst the american people so pessimistic about the economy and i'm wondering if it's. That they just having been through a period of inflation, they fear that inflation might come back again. Those high oil prices that Mika was talking about, the OECD is forecasting slower growth next year, something like 1.3 percent, I think, for the U.S. Is it is it just fears about the future? I, I don't, I'm not asking you to play therapist with the American voter, but there seems to be a disconnect between the numbers we're seeing and the way people are feeling about the economy. And how do you I- account for it?
6: I, I agree with you that there's a disconnect and um, I don't have a simple and convincing answer.
1: That was Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who uh, apparently the American people need therapy because we don't understand that the economy is great. Why do we keep thinking it's bad? You know, the reason we think it's bad is because the prices are so high. That's why we think it's bad. The gas prices are high. The food prices are high. Everything is high. The real estate is high. The rent is high. Everything is high. That's the reason. You know, everybody's employed. There are some great numbers out there. Every, you know, people have jobs. People, there are lots of numbers that look good, but the price of everything is so high and everybody is making less money on average when you adjust for inflation, which isn't over said in the time of inflation. We're still twice as high in inflation as uh, we need to do. Gas prices are up uh, like crazy, and uh, it does affect people. And, you know, are there ways that we can keep in mind, people in our churches, people who are our neighbors, people who work with who have a long commute, this affects them. You know, Are there ideas that we have that would help people who are actually legitimately hurting because uh, gas prices and other things go up? Maybe your company has done something good. You got a story? What did you pay for gas? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. Sylvia in Lakewood, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
6: Hi, good afternoon. I am calling because I would like to share that just last week I, I paid attention at how much I was paying for gas. So two weeks ago at Costco I paid three ninety nine, no four ninety nine, and this past weekend I went and it was five forty nine, and I was like, or five thirty nine. I was like a forty cent increase. So I, I was like in shock. You know, I really don't have time to watch the news or what's going on, but I I did take note of that, and I'm like wow, and it, that was. That that was that's a lot. Forty cents in
1: two weeks. You know, you said so, yeah. You said something interesting there about how you took note of it, and I thought, you know, how often do I actually look to see what I actually just paid when I fill up the tank? You know, I certainly yeah. do when it hurts. Right when I start to feel it, when I realize I'm spending a lot more money on gas than I used to. How much am I spending? And it is shocking. Yes.
6: Yes. Yes. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, it's it's sad because I've kind of like gotten used to spending sixty to seventy dollars every week at the gas pump, you know. But once it was like eighty-six dollars, it was like, oh wait, what happened here?
1: Yeah, I <laughs> but, have. You know,
6: um, I'm sorry. Go um, ahead. Also, you asked for us to share what we've done to kind of like cope with this increase in gas. Not only recently, but just in the last few years. So my family and I, you know, we're, my husband works long hours. I work long hours. And and so what we used to do just to kind of like, you know, have some relaxation time, we would eat out. Right. On, on the weekend. <laughs> so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at least.
1: But that'll Sunday. cost you 100 bucks now.
6: Right. So we have to, like, we only eat out on Sunday after church. You right. know, we cook Friday and Saturday now, or like we make sure we have all the cold cuts, whatever needed to make a sandwich and stuff at home. But yeah, we no longer eat out because it's, you're right, it's a hundred bucks. And by the time the weekend is over, it's 300, 400
0: bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's crazy. But uh, that's what you got to do, Sylvia. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. And I think for some people, we, we eat out less. I mean, we're already, my family, you know. For a while, we just cut out – if we have to eat out, we never really have to eat out, right? Let's face it. But if we're going to go somewhere, we'll cut out the drink sometimes or bring it home and just have water. And they frown at you for that because they make a lot of money these places on uh, the soda that you might buy or the soft drink or whatever, which is a soda. Or is it pop? What do you call it? It's uh, – what does it cost a nickel probably for them. What they give you, they charge you three bucks for it. Uh, that can be a lot. If you go to McDonald's right now or some fast food joint, it, you're not out of there for less than 60 bucks if you just order, you know, the number two meal and everybody gets a meal. That's partly because of the gas prices. It's partly because of the energy. And it just... Everything builds on top of each other. When we raise the minimum wage. You know, that sounds great, except that all the prices are going to go up because the money's got to come from somewhere. And eventually, you know, if you're somebody who uh, you're a minimum wage worker and you were making $10 an hour uh, seven or eight years ago, and now you're at 15 something, you're making less money by the hour because of inflation than you were back when it was 10. You know, more dollars doesn't matter if the dollar isn't worth as much. There are things that uh, I want you to be considerate of of people that you work with. Maybe notice people who you realize are struggling at your church and stuff. I think whenever the prices go up, whenever we see this happening, it has an effect on so many things and it really does hurt people who are struggling. One time uh, years ago, at some point uh, in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, the gas price went up to $5 a gallon, and that was unheard of at the time. $5, it was shocking. And when it hit $5, we let everybody stay home one day a week. We just, this was, you know, a brilliant idea at the time. Now we're fighting for that right after the COVID. But because everybody commuted, our, our church was in a neighborhood where nobody could afford to live if you worked at the church. And so everybody had a commute. We all had a commute. And I said, okay, you're going to, we're going to pick a day of the week and people get to rotate, stay at home. Uh, the reason was gas. The reason was it costs so much more money every month. Remember, going to the pump. You're going to experience this now. You're going to go to the pump, and you're going to fill up, and you're not going to be paying attention, and the gas pump is going to stop, and it's going to stop because there is a dollar limit to how much you can buy, and that used to be $100. Now, I think it's a last place. I had this actually happen to me the other day because we were running out of gas, and uh, and I was with my family, and uh, we needed gas, and we were a long way from a gas station. We finally got to this place, and it was one of those by the freeway, so it cost too much money. The gas price the gas pump shut off at uh hundred and twenty dollars, I think. And it was almost full at that point. But it reminded me, oh that's the, that was my first clue that the gas prices have gone up. The other thing to keep in mind is people are according to ABC News, people are beginning to steal your gas. So, you know, make sure that uh it becomes this commodity, right? It's uh something that people want. Make sure that you're cars are in the garage if you've got one or that you're taking care of different things. You know, when we talk about the prices and we can talk about the, the government and their attitude about it and all of those things, we want our government to uh, be paying attention to the economy. We've got to spend less. We've got to keep track of our fighter jets, by the way, that just sort of disappear all of a sudden. I guess we found that, you know that story, $100 million F-35, uh, there was a mishap, that's what they said, a mishap. And the pilot ejected, and uh the plane was on autopilot, and it just was flying around for a while. Nobody knows exactly where it went. I think they might have they've said they found some debris today um, I know it 's supposed to be stealth, but we should know where it is, right like there should be an you know an apple tag on it or something that lets people know where it went anyway. you know our government is probably not going to be the most competent with these things. Uh, by the way, Election Day is coming up, uh, your primary vote in March, but the voter uh, ballots get mailed in February. That's coming up really fast, everybody, and it does matter. But in the meantime, you know, here's the lesson for the day, I think. And I, I think about this because people don't usually say when they're struggling because of prices going up, but they are. There are people that you sit next to in church who look like they're well-to-do or they're dressed nicely and they've got their Sunday best on and they got a big smile on their face, and you don't realize that they debated whether or not they should even go to church that morning because of the price of gas, like for real. So for them, it's not just, are we going to go out to lunch after after church? It's, can we even go to church and back? Can we afford that? Can we get to work? Last summer, one person called when the gas prices went up and said that they had lost their job because they were a shuttle driver for a company who decided to consolidate because they just couldn't afford the gas. And that company was in trouble because the gas prices went up. And if you're driving the shuttle around or you've got some kind of uh, delivery vehicle, this costs you a lot of money. If you're driving, making money on Uber or one of these uh, companies, gas prices, energy prices, it matters a lot. And there's the politics of it, there's the economics of it, but I think there's also the compassion about it. And it seems like a silly thing maybe to you, but I would just tell you, as followers of Jesus, there's a way to look at this to say, you know what, there are other people hurting. I'm hurting, it's costing me something, but there are people who need my help. Maybe there's somebody you work with who you should carpool with. Maybe that you can invite to ride with you, meaning they don't even need to drive. They'll just ride with you. Maybe they give you some money for gas. Maybe it's a win-win, right? This is the time to ask, the time to ask around. Maybe you're a student and you go to school somewhere. Maybe there's a student who is saying, I can't afford to take my gas, to take my car to school because of gas. That's for real for a lot of people. When the gas gets up to $6, $7, what if I turn out to be just delayed in my prediction and it turns out to be $8 or $9 a gallon? That's huge. That's huge money for a lot of people. And it's life-changing amount of money a month. It really is. So look out for each other with that. I think it matters. It seems like a simple thing, but I think that this is something that we have to train ourselves to do, to look out for other people when prices go up and when crazy things happen. All right, everybody, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us at Pastor Scott Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show. Give us a follow. You can get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look for the Pastor Scott Show. And you can uh, watch us right now on kkla.com. When we come back in the next hour, we have a guest from Focus on the Family, Lisa Anderson, and she runs a ministry called Boundless, which is celebrating 25 years. And uh, this is a great ministry that is focused on uh, young adults and... uh other adults who are single in the church, and I think you're going to enjoy uh, listening to her. She'll be with us as the Pastor Scott Show Tuesday
0: edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's